98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the K1 Podcast. Welcome to the K1 Podcast. I'm Kevin Zimmerman, joined by Rudy Carpenter as usual. And here we are again, two weeks in a row where we got a win. The Cardinals beat the Falcons 34-33. And Kyler Murray, um, again, few mistakes, 27-37 for 340 yards, three touchdowns. Didn't even take a sack. Um, that might have something to do with the Falcons having no pass rush at all. But that all being said, I mean, he's, I believe, the NFL tweeted that he's the first QB in the Super Bowl era to have 20 or more completions in each of his first six games. I mean, where we're at right now is this guy has a lot on his plate and he's continuing to get better. And there's a few weeks now of evidence that he's learning quickly, I think. Well, I think a lot of that can be true. Look, I think Kyler Murray has done an unbelievable job really the entire year, even in their losses. I think the probably the worst uh, football Kyler has played was probably the first half of the first game of the season. And ever since then, including that second half of the Lions game, in my opinion, he's played pretty well. Yes, he's had some ups and downs like against the Carolina Panthers or or whatever it may be, but Kyler has played pretty consistent football throughout the course of this season, and that's what the Cardinals are going to need uh, moving forward from Kyler if they're going to win games. Unfortunately for Kyler, going 27 for 37 for 343 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, running for another 32 yards on 11 carries. But playing this efficient 128.2 quarterback rating, that's very, very difficult to do. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's good and bad. Kyler is playing at a really high level. The bad news is he's going to have to keep on playing at this high level for them to win football games. So we've had two weeks in a row now where they didn't get off schedule, as they've been saying. They've had leads, or if they were trailing, it was only seven points early on against the Falcons, and then they got a field goal. They scored, I believe, on their first five possessions. So when that's all happening, they can run the ball. They can use different looks. And you talked about this on Doug and Wolf this morning prior to this, where Cliff's at his best when he can do that. Now, you have said, like, let's let Cliff go full air raid. Let's use your best players. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think that's probably the good question. Maybe saying going full air raid might be not the the best example. I should say let's go full Kansas City Chiefs where it's there's tempo, there's deception, there's misdirection, and you're really spreading them out. So I think sometimes when we talk about spread offenses, we think it's an offense when in reality it's just a formation. You're spreading the defense out with the idea of making them cover the entire field and not just three quarters of the field or half field. You want them to have to defend every single blade of grass. The other thing I meant by that is is especially Wolf, he's talked a ton about personnel groupings, 10 personnel, 11 personnel, and 12 personnel. And for me, I'm not 100% sure that's really relevant. I, I think that maybe what's more relevant is that when you are in a situation where you're not playing behind and you're not chasing points and you're a one-dimensional team and you need to throw the football every single play, I think it allows Cliff to be more creative in his formations, in his shifts and motions, in his deception, because there's so much run action you can do off of that. We've seen that a ton with the Kansas City Chiefs, and we've seen it a ton with the Los Angeles Rams. When they're not down points and they get the run game going, now you have all kinds of deceptive runs and misdirection runs and deceptive misdirection uh, 
uh, play actions and pass protection schemes that are very hard on the defense. One of the hardest things on the defense is when you have a fly sweep going one way, you have a fake handoff going the other way, and you have offensive linemen who are showing defenders keys of pulling guards or centers or tackles which show run and really it's just a heavy play action pass. Those things are hard to do when you're down 17 points, you're down 14 points, you're down 20 points and you're just trying to score. When those situations you're going to line up you're going to get in 10 personnel, you're going to get in 11 personnel, and you're going to drop back and you're going to throw the football. So again, to me, I'm more talking about, I think when when Cliff is in a situation of being a, a two-dimensional football team, being able to have the threat of run and the threat of pass, it makes them obviously more dynamic. And in that situation, to me, that's when you want to get your best guys on on the field. Even if a guy like Isabella hasn't been productive in the pass game, he's still a guy who can get reverses. He's still a guy who can get jet sweeps. He's still a guy you can throw screens to. And whether or not it's successful, the defense has to play it. They have to adjust to it, similar to a guy like Pharaoh Cooper. And, and, And then when you talk about putting guys in the game. For people who are wondering how you call offenses or defense, what happens is an offense sends in their personnel groupings or their subs. You have literally multiple coaches on the other sidelines. That's their only job is to see who's coming in and out of the game. And they're telling that to the defensive coordinator. And based on the the down and distance and the personnel in the game is how the defensive coordinator guesses what defense he's going to call that game or that situation or that play based on what the numbers tell him the offense is going to do. And so when a when a coach runs in two running backs and three tight ends or two running backs and three wide receivers or five wide receivers and no running backs or all kinds of things, it makes it difficult to call a play, especially when you're a defensive coordinator and you have to ID some of these guys. How do you ID Danny Isabella? Is he a running back or is he a wide receiver? All based on where he lines up. Is is David Johnson a running back or is he a wide receiver? All based on where he lines up. Is Chase Edmond a running back or is he a wide receiver? Based on where he lines up. And for defensive coordinators, that can be very difficult because because you have rules. And in your defensive scheme, your rules are very, very important to follow. And so I guess that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying go full air raid, like throw the ball 80 times a game and get in five wide receiver sets. I'm saying full Kansas City Chiefs, spread them out, use tempo, use creative personnel groupings, and and see how the defense adjusts. I think the word deception is important here because... Look, they they ran the ball 29 times, 3.5 yards per carry. That's not great, but they had a couple big runs that really bumped that number up, and that was deception. And then when you look, two plays that stood out to what you're talking about were the DJ play where he caught a little screen and everything was on the right side. And Andy Isabel was in that play. Um, He went out and pulled guys with him even though he's not catching passes um and david had 30 yards to run and another one was the max williams um touchdown catch and run where he started on the right side and i believe it was chase edmonds and isabella went shallow to the right and when max- you had a full out sprint by kyler murray and they're showing sprint right yeah. with a delay tight end screen back and the to lines the going right and yeah, and then Max Williams had nobody on the left side of the field where he got there for the touchdown. So, I mean, that's, 
to your point is it doesn't matter necessarily that's a tight end but they thought it was a run to the right i think another good example is this is people get caught up in the stats and whether the run game was good or bad or the pass game was good or bad and i i I'm just not always a believer that the stats actually matter. Some people believe that you have to actually get the run game going and have success to be able to play action pass. I disagree with that. I just think if you run the ball and you're getting two or three yards of carry, it's fine. It's still going to be able to, you're still going to be able to set up play action pass because of the fact that the defense still has to honor the run. And this case is very similar. David Johnson only had 34 yards rushing. Chase Edmonds only had 34 yards rushing. Kyler Murray had 32 yards rushing. And then because Farrell Cooper had two yards on a carry, it put them over the 100-yard mark. And so I'm saying that's exactly my point. This is an offense where who cares who's doing it? If Danny Isabella's carrying the ball, if Farrell Cooper's carrying the ball, if Kyler Murray's carrying the ball, if David Johnson's carrying the ball, it doesn't matter. It's more about the timing of it and when you can hit some of those big gash run plays. And then because you're able to run the ball or showing that with the deception on your fly sweep actions or motions or whatever it may be, it's going to give you better opportunities to set up some play action passes. I thought last night, I mean, uh, Justin Pugh called it a perfect game called by Cliff. Everyone was complimenting their head coach, and that's obviously easy to do after a win. But as a player, when a team's spreading the ball that much around and it looks like everyone has a clear role, like, again, even Andy Isabella didn't receive a target, didn't catch a pass, but his role is what it is. It's to scare defenses with his speed. Max Williams has a role. Farrell Cooper has a role, even though he was just brought back like last week does that is that good for a locker room and as an individual player to think even though maybe I'm third up that I could get the ball and I have specific things that a team wants from me that's different from other guys well I think it's very important for everyone to know their role and play within that role and play within the offense obviously that's super important and yes I think when you're able to spread the ball around and have a, a bunch of guys get catches. Larry Fitzgerald had catches. David Johnson had catches. Demir Bird had catches. Sherfield had a catch. Max William had catches. Chase Edmonds had catches. Farrell Cooper had multiple catches. Uh, Kashawn Johnson had multiple catches. And Charles Clay had multiple catches. The only guy who didn't have multiple catches was Trenton Sherfield, And he had a big play down the sideline. So... Yes, anytime you can spread the ball around and get everybody in on the action, it's so much better because you're probably going to be able to get more out of them, especially from those wide receivers in the run game. And when you're asking them to block, they're going to feel like they're being used, they're going to be happy, and they're going to block. But I think what what this there, there's a couple important things that I think should be understood. You can only you should never apologize for a win number 1. So when you're playing the Kansas City or when you're playing the the Atlanta Falcons or you're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, you should never apologize for beating teams that have obviously bad records. The the Cincinnati Bengals are winless and the Atlanta Falcons are a 1 in 5 football team. So in the last two weeks, they've played teams with a collective of one win. So it's not like these are, are, are great wins, especially when both of these wins came down to the last play of the football game. But you should never apologize for these wins. It's very difficult to win in the NFL, um, and, and you can only play the teams on your schedule. So I think this team has gotten better. I think Cliff, King, Cliff Kingsbury has gotten more confident and more comfortable. I think Kyler Murray has gotten more confident and more comfortable. And I think they're playing well, but there's still a lot of signs that point to 
how good is this football team and how much do we really know about them? When you look at Matt Ryan's stats, he went 30 for 36 for 356 yards, four touchdowns and no turnovers. I mean, you're not going to win a lot of games uh, playing like that. They only got two sacks on Matt Ryan. He's not a guy that's known to be a runner. And so I still think there's a lot of work to do. You know, the, the, the Atlanta Falcons team still rushed for over 100 yards. So there was a lot of, a lot of yards that were, that were given up both in this game and last game. And so we'll see uh, who the Arizona Cardinals really are over the next couple of weeks because they do have uh, some games in front of them with some better teams. So it'll be interesting to see. But with that being said, there is no question that Kyler Murray is playing really, really good that Cliff Kingsbury is getting more comfortable and, and obviously uh, you know, calling plays better or handling situations better. And as we saw, maybe the biggest thing of this last game is that they scored a bunch of different times in the red zone and scored touchdowns in the red zone. Patrick Peterson coming back obviously helps for a team that, like you mentioned, is has given up. I think it's an NFL leading 16 touchdowns to quarterbacks. Um, no interceptions. That helps. Um, but when you do talk about playing two not very good teams at this point in Kyler Murray's first season, is that is that important to maybe after a rough couple of first games have him see success, see what it's supposed to look like, have things slow down for him at a time when now the experience is starting to pile up and it just gives him a little breather as he goes into tougher parts of the schedule? Well, there's no question. I think it's very important. It's very important for the team. It's also very important for Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury's psyche because Kyler has done some really, really good things um, throughout the course of this season so far, and you want to see him get rewarded for, for playing well. And so obviously, anytime you get a chance to put... Uh, wins together, especially back-to-back wins together for a guy like Kyler Murray. It's very important, very important for his confidence, very important for the buy-in factor of the rest of the team buying into Cliff Kingsbury and buying into what they're trying to do. They have a great opportunity in front of them with the with the new with the uh, New York Giants uh, up next. This is a very winnable game for them and and it would be obviously uh really good for the Arizona Cardinals and the organization to not just win back-to-back games but to win three straight football games because after this Giants game, the schedule from that point forward outside of the Buccaneers and maybe the Steelers I think is going to be pretty difficult. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, they haven't even hit the NFC West and those, well, I guess the Rams, I'm not sure where they're at right now. They've been a little scuffling, but yeah, it's going to be tough from here on out. Um, I want to ask about Murray's abilities last night. When you continue to watch him, what impresses you most about just his arm talent? Was it the deep ball to Demir Bird between two deep guys? In coverage, was it the touch pass to David Johnson? Was it finding Sherfield and giving him an opportunity? I mean, what what kind of stands out to you? Well, I think it's all super impressive for what Kyler's been able to do. You know, obviously his poison, his composure has been great. His decision making has gotten better. I think um, his his accuracy and his timing and his anticipation and his ability to create and change his arm angle and make off platform throws has all been really really good. But I think the thing for me that is most impressive about what Kyler does especially talking about his arm talent is he believes in his arm talent and he trusts his ability and when he makes mistakes he doesn't let that affect his confidence or affect the next play or affects the next the the next game or affect you know 
somewhere you know further down the road. I think Kyler's done a great job so far of trusting in his ability, trusting with the offense and what Cliff is trying to do and continuously has gotten better each week, which means he's learned from, obviously, the the previous games. One situational thing that came up that I think they're still trying to figure out and that I think Kyler is is probably you know still trying to earn the organization's trust on is last week against the, the Cincinnati Bengals, I thought Cliff made a terrible call in a screen call to Larry Fitzgerald at the end of the half. They were super lucky to spike the ball and get the field goal. You kind of saw that creep up in this last game where there was seven seconds to go on the clock right before half they probably could have got off another play they could have thrown a jump ball to Larry in the end zone and at least gotten that chance and still kicked their field goal on fourth down but what you saw was as Cliff Kingsbury get a little spooked like he mentioned he ran the field goal unit on and he took his three points and I think ultimately Cliff and, and Kyler have to get to a point to where Cliff has ultimate trust in Kyler to be able to make the right throw the right read and the right decision on that play and at least do one of two things, get them a touchdown or guarantee them a field goal. And right now, put it this way, if your quarterback was Tom Brady or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, you're taking another shot to the end zone. And so I just think right now that maybe this coaching staff and Cliff Kingsbury uh, doesn't trust Kyler to to throw the ball up for a touchdown or throw it away. They probably feared he was going to try to scramble and make a play and run the clock out. What Did you see anything on the – I think a couple plays they had chances to get into the end zone. Do you see anything what might have spooked Cliff, or was it? Do you think it was just a general feeling of I don't want to have my rookie quarterback make a mistake here? Well, I think it's a bunch of things, and I don't want to put it all on on Cliff Kingsbury not trusting Kyler Murray. I think there's a lot of things, and I think probably the biggest factor is the win loss factor. This team hasn't been successful, and like you said, Cliff wants to see this team win games, not just for him, but for the psyche of the locker room and the entire football team, and also for people to start buying in to what Cliff is trying to do. And I think the way that he looked at it was. Hey, this is a an Atlanta Falcons team who on offense is good and every point matters here. It's every single point matters. It might come down to who has the ball last. And so what I want to do is I want to kick this field goal. I want to get us to the locker room up 10 points and feel very good about ourselves. And our message in the locker room will be much different than it would be if we were to have an interception that got returned for a touchdown or if we were to have something bad happen and come away with no points on this drive. So I just think it was Cliff being a little bit more conservative, trying to guarantee them up by two scores at halftime and get in into the locker room feeling very good about themselves two plays on the ground for Kyler were third down runs where he's heading toward the sideline there was one in the first half I believe that he didn't get it he just took the loss and they were uh, I think a kicking a field goal because they were in Falcons territory and then the obvious one was the last possession where he ran for a third down and questionably got the first down um when you see a franchise quarterback doing things like that do you do you say, I want to see him dive, or do you say, I'm fine with him just taking what the defense gives him, not putting his body in harm's way? Is there? That's a really fine line, right? To Well, I think it's a tough question for Kyler because you know in that organization, people have been on him so much about getting down and getting out of bounds and protecting his body and not, letting, uh, un- not taking unnecessary hits from the defense. And so there are some points, though, like those two situations where on the first one in the first half, you would love to see Kyler Murray dive forward and try to get the first down 
maybe put the ball in his inside hand and reach forward for the first down like we see Deshaun Watson and we see Russell Wilson do all the time. Or even in the Cincinnati Bengals game, you would love to see him maybe, you know, put like we saw Jaden Daniels do for ASU, just put his head down and say, I'm going to go score this thing myself. I'm not going to put the uh, the game in our kicker's hand and just, you know, dive in the end zone and put your body at risk a little bit. And, and then on the last uh, drive, you know, personally, I think they got very lucky with that call. I did not think it was a first down. I thought the Demir Bird play was also a fumble. They got lucky on those two plays. You would love to see Kyler Murray put the ball in his inside hand and reach forward and put the ball across the line. That was a big play in the game. Because he had the ball in his outside hand, in his backhand, the, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt in the spot. So um, to me, those are plays that Kyler is going to see on film today. He probably already saw it. Cliff's probably going to talk to him about you know reaching the ball out and trying to get it over uh, that first down marker. But those are plays where Kyler is just going to have to decide you know what is best for him, what is best for the team in that situation or that moment, and then make a decision on whether or not he's going to put his body at risk. Personally, for me, I think it's one of the best ways as a quarterback to gain respect from your teammates is to put your foot in the ground, take a big hit, but ensure a first down to keep a drive alive or like in the last case to maybe end a game by getting a first down so the Giants are up next they're obviously running behind a rookie quarterback now Saquon Barkley was running around there at practice so he might play which would change things completely for Arizona's defense which has struggled Um, I don't know how much you've watched them but just from a Kyler Murray versus Daniel Jones standpoint what do you want to see out of this game or what are you kind of interested in seeing well, I think it's the same. Look, this is a uh, Arizona Cardinal football team, you know, who who is getting better. Um, Kyler Murray's playing better. You would love to see them get their third win in a row, especially get a get a win. Uh, I believe this game is uh, in New York on yeah. the road. Very, very difficult to win on the road, especially when you're coming from you know the West Coast to the to the East Coast time zone. It's very difficult to do that. And so this is also a team that has another young quarterback in Daniel Jones. You never know what you're going to get. He's he's played really well at times. He's been super inconsistent. But this is a team that is also really beat up on offense. They're beat up at their skill position. Uh, their skill position group. Saquon Barkley, a huge playmaker, probably not, maybe pl- might play. Maybe Maybe not. Probably not going to be 100%. It's what we do know. But this is a game that is perfect for Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals to continue this win streak and really help build their confidence if they can get another road win in the NFL, which is very, very difficult. That's Rudy Carpenter, and I'm Kevin Zimmerman. Thanks for listening, as always.